0: In a world with dumb action movies, one man has got to set fire to all of them. And now your host, Eric Heiler. Alright, and welcome to That Dumb Action Movie Podcast. That's that damn podcast to you. I am your host, Eric Heiler. And uh, this week we are going to be roasting one missing in action starring one Charles Norris. That's Chuck Norris to you from 1983. And uh, I got to say, in this ongoing quest to roast these dumb action movies from the 70s, 80s, 90s, early 2000s, and and and, and on, uh, we're going to see some names come up over and over again. Now, I just want to be clear that this isn't a way of you know tearing down the actors and producers and everything of this. It's just the the movies themselves just kind of came off as you know, like pure cheese, or they were poorly written, poorly directed, it had you know questionable editing uh, going on in there. And then we're going to see some some other names that are going to pop up quite fre- frequently. And this one is uh, no no stranger to that. Uh, so going on, we're going to see canon films. Golan Globus. Uh, these names are going to come up over and over again because they, they're just the kind of the worst offenders of them all. Now, having said all that, I am a fan of these movies. I love these movies. If they are on, I will watch them. It's. I don't want this to be going out as like disrespectful in any kind of way. So, missing in action. Uh, it came out in 1983. Uh, so the early 80s for this. Uh, Chuck Norris was in like his uh, his prime and it was the uh, the greatest uh, time for action movies uh, of the era because I mean they were just literally there were so many of them uh, and they all started to bleed together at some point. So now, uh, when you talk to your friends about these movies, you're going to come across things like, "Well, wasn't that you know this movie instead?" And you're like, "No, no, no. You're thinking of this other movie." You know, it it's, it kind of goes like that because they all kind of bleed together. They were they were just kind of like hastily done, uh, thrown together, and then put out there for consumption, uh, so that the uh, so that people can start getting a return on their investments for all this. So the movie opens up with uh, chuck norris uh, roaming through the jungle in the best vietnam era tiger stripe that you can imagine and i am a big fan of vietnam era tiger stripe let me tell you and uh, he's you know running through the forest and he's got long hair and a bushy beard and anybody who knows anything about uh, army regulations is that <laughs> this is a big no-no, and uh, no helmets, of course, uh, no no jackets uh, that might actually stop a bullet. Now it's just him, his uh, his M16 with the M203 grenade launcher underneath that he never uses once in this uh, in this beginning action sequence. And uh, you know he's like trying to lead these guys through the jungle, and the Viet Cong are all over the place, and they're shooting AKs at him, and uh, missing all over the place. They're they're worse than stormtroopers. And, uh, like during this, the scene, uh, he's like up in this barn and, uh, they got one VC guy who's like stabbing a couple of dead guys to death, he, like even more with their bayonets. And he comes jumping out of this, uh, barn with two grenades in his hands and he, he, you know, lets go of the pins as he's fallen down and then it blows up. And of course he wakes up, you know, in a cold sweat and he's, he's in this, you know, dusty dingy apartment somewhere. And, uh, you know, he's listening to the news now. The keen-eyed observer of this movie will recognize the newscaster on there as the same one from the movie RoboCop, which we may do in a future episode. Uh, So it was just kind of funny hearing hearing that voice, and it was like, "Oh, that was the news guy from RoboCop." Cool, and (laughs) and uh, so at one point they're like talking about uh, Vietnam uh, war prisoners that are still kept by Vietnam. And uh, th- this was kind of like a main theme in the 1980s. Uh, we had, you know, these missing in, in action movies. We had another movie uh, starring Patrick Swayze that with- was called Uncommon Valor. Uh, it was kind of along the same subject. Um, and even uh, Rambo First Blood Part Two, because we love full titles around here, uh, also kind of touched on the subject of American POW still in vietnam and you know these movies all came out in the 1980s so i mean this was still kind of like a cultural thing where you're kind of worried that uh you know those uh pow's were never going to get released or whatnot but uh yeah so that i mean that first scene it's got uh chuck norris you know kicking over a tv because he hates the news and you know we can all somewhat (laughs) uh imagine ourselves kicking over a tv because we hate the news after he was watching a little bit of a, a spider-man cartoon show from the 1980s which kind of brought back memories because i remember actually watching that episode but uh, it was kind of fun uh, from there he's on a plane ride with a senator who hates him because he's you know dro- not dressed up he's wearing blue jeans and he's kind of uncouth you know because he's a military colonel and uh they go to vietnam and they're going to try and uh plead the case to let these uh prisoners of war go, and Vietnam's claiming that they, of course, that they don't have any American POWs anymore. And, uh, Chuck Norris is, uh, eyeing up, uh, all of the, uh, the the Vietnam general, and apparently, uh, one other Vietnam, uh, colonel, I guess, that was his, uh, prison master at, at a camp that he was actually in, that he had only recently got away from. So this is how Braddock knows that, uh, but there are still Vietnam veterans in there, in in country as it were, and so it kind of goes from there. Um, we got a um, a nice little sequence of uh, events in the hotel where you know the the senators uh state department aide is you know like this beautiful young lady and of course uh braddock comes over with a champagne and you know there's a little bit of a double entendres going he's like taking off his pants and she's like i don't know what you think is going to happen but it's you know not going to and uh <laughs> and so it was uh kind of one of those things he dresses all in black and he's like well i want to see what vietnam looks like after the war and everything so it's kind of a crazy turn of events. He comes climbing down the the side of the hotel, and of course nobody can see that there's a guy leaving the hotel via balcony. And he makes his way over to the uh, the Vietnam general's house, I guess. You know, after you know knocking out a couple of guards and everything in quick '80s fashion, and uh, you know ultimately is like trying to figure out where the uh, prisoner of war camp is at, and the general is not going to give it to him. So uh, he goes to leave the room and the general shoots at him and, of course, misses him. You know, he's, like, standing across the room and he can't hit him. So uh, Braddock turns around and puts a knife right into his chest. You know, it's, a—it's like, the greatest thing ever. And, of course, he has to uh, get rid of, uh, you know, get back to the hotel in time to make it look like he's not, uh, not, uh, not skulking around the uh, Ho Chi Minh City and everything else. So it's, like... It just has everything that you could possibly want in a dumb action movie. And including the cover art for it. You know, he's, he's there holding the M60 and there's like a burning chopper and everything else. So, um... After this, uh... Braddock obtains the evidence and then travels to Thailand where he meets Tuck, an old army friend turned black market kingpin. And together they launch a mission deep into the jungle to free the US POWs from General Trow and so it's it, it's, it kind of goes from there, and it takes kind of like the common type of thing, so it's like, okay, well we're going to go into the seedy underbelly of Thailand, and we're, you know, now we're going to, you know free these prisoners, and we're going to go upriver and everything else, so it's uh, it kind of takes a turn from there, and then, you know, this spawned a couple of sequels after this it was that much of a success back in the day, and uh, I may have said 1983 earlier, but uh, it actually came out in 1984, so that, I apologize, but uh yeah, I mean, the reception on it was pretty good. Uh, it was very popular at the box office. Like I said, it was it was touching on that uh, cultural touchstone of uh, leftover POW, you know, American POWs in uh, Vietnam. Uh, and I can remember, you know, going to high school in Walker, Louisiana, and uh, one of my friends had a POW flag up, uh, you know, meaning that they're not forgotten and everything else. So it made uh, six million dollars its first weekend and earned uh, ten million dollars in rentals because. VHS tapes were now a new thing right people could rent the VCR and the VHS tape from blockbuster video or their local video shop and so Canon kind of uh, made a kind of a specialty about you know VC uh, VHS rentals afterwards and uh, you know the movie itself only cost uh, 22 million dollars in uh, 1984 bucks and by 1985 it had earned 26 million so it earned a profit so one of the things was the uh, is that Golan Globus. I mean, they immediately took whatever profit they had, and they already were working it into the next film, whatever next project they were working on. So they uh, a lot of times they didn't even realize a profit for some of these movies, and they were just kind of like quickly thrown together. and Everything else you can get a lot of stuff done with like cheap pyrotechnics and everything else. So when you're watching it with um, with your twenty twenty one eyes. You're going to notice there's a lot of, like, uh, practical effects going on. You know, a lot of, like, air pushing a lot of dirt out of the way for explosions. Uh, There might be a fireball or two. Sometimes the fireball is, like, way too big for what happened. (laughs) So, I mean, that's what these movies are about. Uh, You know, they're just quickly just kind of thrown together. Story might take a backseat to it. But uh, at least in this first go-round of... Colonel James Braddock, uh, missing in action. Uh, I have to say, if you haven't seen it yet, you can definitely get your eyeballs full of it right now, so that you can, uh, you know, just watch it and appreciate what Chuck Norris had to work with here. You know, and it's not all bells and whistles and everything else. Where it's not laden with CGI because in the 1980s they didn't have computer graphics the way that they do now. Uh, you can just see, like, an action director these days would be like, okay, now we need you to stand over here in this uh, room that's all painted green and talk to this tennis ball, and then we'll fill everything in in post. And you don't really quite have an idea what you're acting against. You know, so I'm, I'm thinking movies like this couldn't even be made today. Like, you, you couldn't pull this type of stuff off. You know, it, you start mentioning practical effects to directors today, and they're like, ah, you know, maybe we don't do that anymore. You know, and it's gotten so bad. I remember seeing in one movie, like, they had CGI blood after a shooting scene. I was like, what? what? That doesn't even look convincing. You know, they they still make corn syrup and red food dye. I, I don't get it. <laughs> But yeah, anyways, guys, uh, so that'll be the first. And uh, going forward, we'll have a whole bunch of these movies to go. So I kind of wanted to, you know, dip my toe into these dumb action movies. And starting it off with Missing in Action, I think, is probably a good barometer for what we're going to be getting into next. I, when I came up with this idea for this podcast, I decided uh, I was going to have so many of these. And within just an hour or two, I had like over 300 movies written down on a list to get to I was like oh yeah no that one's dumb that one's definitely dumb and you're just going down the list like even some you're like talking to your friends and like I've never heard of this movie <laughs> I was like oh well great yeah we're gonna talk about it and uh, you know going forward I- I'm hoping to get guests on so that these episodes will be a little bit more than 15 minutes at a time because uh, I kind of want to you know just kind of get you a quick in and out of of a movie so we're going to get into the technicals of this so uh, like I said it was uh 1984, it was released uh, November 16th, 1984, uh, it had a running time of uh, 101 minutes, um, and of course it starred uh, Chuck Norris, uh, M. Emmett Walsh, Lenore Kastorf, James Hong, and David Truss. Uh, it was directed by uh, Joseph Zito, and of course it was produced by uh, Menahem Golan and Yoram Globus. Uh, you'll hear those names quite a bit um, through this series, so... And, of course, it was put out by MGM and uh, Canon Films. And, uh, you know, made a lot of money at the uh, at the box office. So, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, it'll be great. I, I think going forward, seeing these movies and how well they do, especially in the 80s and uh, late 70s and everything, is, uh, is going to be uh, quite a ride. So, with that, uh, go watch Missing in Action starring Chuck Norris from 1984. All right, guys. Until next time, we'll have another dumb movie waiting for you here at That Damn Podcast or That Dumb Action Movie Podcast. All right. I'm Eric Hyler. I'll see you later. Bye.